On this episode of Resi Week, we talk Sonos PR issues and Savant partners with Netgear. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week episode 208, Unconditional Love. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. This week, I am pleased to be joined by my good friend, Richard Fergosa. He is the principal of Fergosa Design. How are you, sir? Mellow West Coast greetings. Actually, it's uh, been, a, been a little bit, so I'm glad to be back on Resi Week. Actually, uh, first 2020 uh, Resi Week for me, so yeah, thanks for is. having me. I think it's the first 2020 for all of uh, the guest this week. Next, we have Todd Puma. He's the president of the Source Home Theater. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Matt. Thank you for having me again. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. And last and certainly not least, we have Ken Eagle. He is the senior di- global director of training at Atlona. How are you, sir? Matt, I'm awesome. Happy 2020, everyone. Glad to be here. Happy 2020 to all of you. Gentlemen, we're going to kick this off uh, with just a, a quick note before we jump into our stories of the day. Uh, you can see this press release on our site, avnation.tv. Ken Erdman is joining Cedia as the director of workforce training. Uh, Ken has been doing a, a ton of training for Cedia over really the last like 25 years. He's been involved with the organization and doing training globally for them Uh as I said, for, for 25 years, he is also a uh, recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award and has been a member since 1992. So congratulations to him and to Cedia. That should be a fantastic match in moving training forward. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with uh, <coughs> really the story that dominated not only our industry channels uh, from the news cycle, but the really the global tech channels and, and kicked off a big conversation about end of life and discontinuing products and all this fun stuff. If you missed it, uh, you can check this out on cepro.com. Sonos has uh, had a position at the start of last week, and then they revised that position with a letter from their CEO, Patrick Spence, talking about uh, essentially five products that were going to be or or see their support ended uh, in May of this year. Now, the majority of these products are older. They're still in the field, but I know as a Sonos dealer, I haven't sold any of these in five years, at least with the exception of uh, one of them being the, well, two of them being the Connect and the Connect Amp. But again, that, that end of life, was only for certain products sold up until 2015. Patrick came back out after a bit of a backlash in a lovely social media uh, hashtag of Sonos boycott and said that they were not going to brick them and, and, and cause the systems to completely stop working in May, uh, essentially clarifying the position of the original uh, message. Ken, I want to start with you as kind of the lone manufacturer here for a second, and then we'll get to, uh, to Rich and Todd. When you saw this, and I'm assuming you watched this with as much 
interest is pretty much everyone else. Um, when you saw this, it, was this literally just a really bad email that was sent out, like like a really bad PR campaign for this, or was it a nefarious intent? We all know end of life happens. We all know that products, especially something with a with RAM and a chip, at some point they will stop functioning with new updates. Is this just bad PR? I think so. I think somebody maybe didn't think this through all the way. I mean, working for a manufacturer for the last 10, 12 years of my career, the save you side of the business, um, you're right. Everything comes to an end of life at some point, but you make a decision, you know, when you make that announcement to your, to your customers, what you're going to do with it, what the, what the path is, what's going to be supported, what's not. Um, you would expect a company like Sonos would already know what they're going to say and how to do this. They've probably had some EOLs before in there. So was, I was a little shocked by that. And then having the, have the CEO come back out and make this, you know, Hey, the statement, Hey, we didn't do this right. The first time um, it's a lot of egg in the face. Um, it's kind of a big misstep. That being said, I'm guessing somebody probably uh, at some point, you know, got on the Apple bandwagon and thought, you know what, we're not going to support this stuff anymore. We're going to cut it off at some point and we want people to buy new stuff. I totally get that. That's, that's, um, that's how the business cycle works. But when you've got people spending the money and you've got a brand like this, uh, you just can't, you can't leave those people stuck with the product that they believe in because that's uh, going to come back at you. Very good. Richie, part of this, and I had some conversations with some people at Sonos about this. And one of the gentlemen I talked to, we got into it, of course, and, and had a really entertaining conversation about it. But he came back to one thing, that Sonos is a computer. Yeah, it's an amp. Yeah, it's a this. Yeah, it's a streamer. But at, at the core, it's a computer. Is this the the shift between the old school components of you know kind of my early childhood your we'll say childhood um you know where it's weighted knobs and old you know not just warm classic amplifiers that were dumb there's nothing to them they're just an amplifier versus the new concept of everything just being a computer that at some point is going to not be able to keep up? I think it was a little bit different than that. I think they misjoined, they, they misjudged their customer loyalty. They figured on customers love Sonos, just, just, just completely <laughs> unconditional. They, they were looking, they, they banked on unconditional love of their product and clients thanking them for pushing the technology. It was, it was the technology itself. I have some misgivings about saying that about the computer. The reason being is that streaming technology hasn't changed. They didn't say we're doing this because we are gonna go ahead and focus more on high resolution audio. Uh, we're not gonna focus on any other new streaming capabilities? I mean, currently the streaming, the streaming technology has been pretty static, other than say moving from AirPlay to AirPlay Two. Okay, that that you know, as newer technologies have come in, I could see that. What 
what happened is that they didn't necessarily give enough of a timeline and it was, it was just scheduling. It was, it was how they laid it out. If they mm -hmm. eased into it, they could have created um, a positive effect. New technologies are coming up. We're moving through and, and just, they, they goofed. I mean, it just, they absolutely goofed. However, they acknowledged it and they said, we screwed up. That was important in that aspect. There's lots of manufacturers who I've dealt with many over, over many of the years that will never, ever admit to a mistake. You know, it, it, they will never, ever, ever admit to a mistake. Um, in fact, rather than to admit to a mistake, they'll just kind of ignore the fact that the thing ever existed more than anything else. Um, so I'm going to give Sonos credit for that, for quickly um, doing triage on it and saying, you know what, we misstepped. We made a mistake. And they looked at and one of the interesting things though, to me, because again, we're on an industry podcast, the pressure wasn't caving into the integrator channel. No. They could have cared less at it, whether they caved into the integrator channel. It was the end users that they went, holy cow, these people aren't going to go to Target and buy these things. These people aren't going to go to Best Buy and buy these things. These people aren't going to go online and buy these things. That's what caused um, the bit of the about face. And it really wasn't an about face. It's just they didn't explain at the beginning what they were doing. And so assumptions were made because they really didn't say we're bricking them. We just said, look, we've reached a certain point with these products that we can't put new features in. We, you know, they, they just, we can't move forward with these. So let's stay with that. So, um, you know, it, it, it was it, for manufacturers and just for companies in general, um, it's a great lesson on making sure that you aren't tone deaf to what your clients are actually looking for. Very good. Todd, uh, you and I actually had a text conversation this morning uh, about this issue. Uh, with our friend Mark Feinberg as well. Uh, you and Mark wrote an article for uh, Resi Tech, I believe, or Resi Systems, mm -hmm. um, about two weeks ago, if I'm kind of jogging my memory correctly, uh, about reevaluating who, what products you sell and, and what you supply to customers. And Mark was going through a, uh, an issue with a product and had that realization that maybe he needs to look at stuff again. Is this something that, you know, again, I, I think we're, we've come to the understanding that this is a PR issue, really, more than anything else. It, it's just really bad way of uh, explaining their intentions. But is something like this something that has that potential to cause, at least our industry, to circle again and say, is this the best product for us or is there something else? Or does it come down to the conversation you and I had uh, in the preamble of the show where like the amp that I have right there is just a fantastic little product. So we're going to keep selling it. You know, where, it, goes, Delta? it goes down to multiple factors, right? So number one is I have a business to run and I care about my clients and I want to make sure that there's no variables put into place, which can make my solutions fail with Sonos and leaving all the open-ended questions, when the Sonos Connect comes into play that once they're discontinued and that are integrated with Crestron, does that mean when an update happens in the Crestron platform or any other control platform, 
is that going to break that communication because updates aren't being allowed through and through? That it's only a partial update, which most likely is coming with the current updates. So what am I going to do at this point with having those products that are online? I don't have an answer if they're going to break or not. So there's a little bit of fear in that for me. So, you know, the quick thing is we'll upgrade them to the newer solutions. They had this product in line. It is a legacy product and our customers will understand that. Great. But I still need more answers. Number two, will I stop selling them? I'm not going to stop selling them. Like we talked about at the beginning of the interview is they do make rock solid products. I barely have to reboot uh, ever uh, anything that's a Sonos related product. Customers don't call about Sonos related issues. It actually gets me back in the door to upgrade and to add more solutions in their home because how great Sonos works and integrates with multiple manufacturers. Another thing that's put into place is Sonos isn't for an integrator channel, I don't believe. They haven't been for us. And from day one, I've been arguing the point is they're more focused on the customer. Like Richie was saying, and multiple people have said in multiple forms and on the web is they cared only what the customer stated. We are their customers. But if we would have barked, cried, and went on about it, they would have said, eh, shoot, you're dust under the rug, I believe, versus the big uproar that happened because the customers started contacting us in fear. What do I do? What does this mean? They called me stating, is my control system obsolete? They don't know the difference between Crestron or a control manufacturer and Sonos. They believe that it's all one. And with Sonos discontinuing their parts, that they just updated their control system to a newer platform, now nothing's gonna work. So these are things that make it a little bit rocky for us as a business and that I didn't appreciate at certain points, but I did appreciate because it did open up the door for conversation with our clients and to educate them on what's happening with that you know, Sonos platform, which everyone loves, every customer. I don't think you can pull Sonos away from a customer once they have it. Once they experienced it, they're not going to go with anything else. So let me, just before we move on, let me ask any one of you this question. Is this the inherent risk that we just have to live with where consumer tech has the ability to just do to market scale, create products that will be vastly superior to something within our channel, that's our channel only, and we just have to run the risk of them breaking integration at some point because we know what's going to happen. Is that just the, the, the bag of tricks we have to go with? I think you have to consider your client. Um, I think you have to consider the generation of the client that you're dealing with. Um, I would say that if you are dealing with a, uh, a millennial uh, or even, you know, I, I would even say Gen X, you know, I'm Gen X myself we were the first generation to grow up with computers, like with them in our houses from the time that we were young. Um, and so there was a bit more of an understanding that yes, upgrades are changing. Um, subsequent generations, because of the Apple effect, have kind of accepted more of the biodegradable version of technology, which is you're gonna get it for X amount of time, and then we're actively gonna promote that you get the newer and better one. The Achilles heel is the economy of scale. Um, you know, the, it's, it's a matter of what devices that you pick as an integrator. And again, this goes back to the integrator channel. Um, you have to choose carefully um, with what technology you support, the manufacturers you align yourself, but also your client base. And you have to take a look what's important to them. If they want longevity, 
that requires a different path and, and a fallback position. It requires a different level of expectation management. If you, you know, it, there, there's always the adage, right? Um, you know, cheap, reliable, simple, pick two out of three. Um, and that really is where you kind of have to approach it with, with your client at all times with an existing system. You know, how, how do you break it down? Well, you know, one option is you tell people, you know, again, we're locking this down. You don't get updates. The only time you get updates is after we vetted something and we've determined that it's not going to break anything. More and more manufacturers are getting away from that. They're just pushing it out. You, you get it or you get it and you can't keep moving forward. Um, so it's, it's a very fine line for integrators right now. Uh, it does come back to being a professional. And being a professional is being able to give your clients the information succinctly and allow them to make an educated decision. Uh, a lot of integrators get in trouble where they think that their clients are keeping up on the technology trends as much as they are. That's a bad assumption to make. So it is a constant education process for your client, unless you're going with you know, the quasi DIY approach, <coughs> then it's caveat emptor. It's like, yeah, it's gonna be good for now, but a year from now, I can't make any promises. And so you're going to reinvest another $199. Well, maybe it's $199 times six or nine. Uh, but you, you don't know as opposed to potentially more of a customer or, or bespoke design. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems. Savant is enhancing their strategic partnership with Netgear. Uh, Savant's going to team with Netgear as their exclusive provider of network solutions uh, for the, the Savant product line and includes system design and support services. If you read through the story, you will uh, see a, a lot of stuff that we've talked about for quite a while on this show as far as how your home automation platform uh, really ties in and is utterly dependent on your network. Uh, Todd, I want to start with you on this. This is not uncommon. We, we've seen this from pretty much every manufacturer uh, over the last couple of years where they're either obtaining a networking company or they are picking a single horse to ride and say, hey, this is the solution for you. Put these two things together and you will have a rock solid uh, network and, and smart home platform. What is the true benefit of having uh, essentially like a verified network to put over all of your actual uh, smart home solutions? Is, is the verified option real or is that, again, a, a lot of marketing? If, with, if the verification process, I'm not, I don't even, I'm not even going to touch that. Um, because <laughs> oh, Come on. No, I can't. It's, it's just going to get me in trouble. It has before. But what I will say about the Savant, you know, partnership with Netgear, I think that's, that's great is every single platform that's put out there. I would love if my control brand that I offer would come up with a pre-configured tool that's guaranteed to build a successful system uh, with dealing with AV over IP, like the NVX system. There's mm -hmm. a different protocols and different switches that are put into place that I'm limited to at this point because I don't want to re-educate myself over and over again by dealing with other control manufacturers. If my manufacturer came out with a network switch or a you know, networking brand, it could work with to make my life easier on the multiple tools or products that I'm using 
for that integration platform just by clicking a button and guaranteeing it's going to work and constantly keeping up to date as firmware you know progresses to make my job simpler i just think there is no negative in this partnership it's only going to be positive and it's just it's something that every manufacturer should be listening to and should do is have that one partnership with one networking brand and making it like it's your own brand. So I give kudos to Savant for this, and I hope more manufacturers are going to do things just like this, including my manufacturer I deal with. <laughs> Speaking of uh, more manufacturers getting on board with this kind of thought process, Richie, is this something where, uh, when I started reading this, what I got thinking was, are we to a point where partnerships are more preferred than acquiring someone? Or is it just that the pool of companies that within our channel can be acquired is shrinking dramatically? There's not that many networking manufacturers out there anymore that could be acquired by someone you know, like Savant in this case. Savant, I don't believe, has the, the bankroll to go after and, and acquire Netgear. They have to create a strategic partnership. Is that what we're going to see going forward? I think you made the point right there that it was, you know, <laughs> Netgear, <laughs> Netgear was not going to be acquired. Uh, however, Netgear does find itself in a lot of Soho, you know, small, small office uh, applications and, and even mid-sized applications where, uh, and we've been talking about this for years, but we're seeing it more and more and more every day, which is, uh, and you see it in commercial all the time, is that from a networking standpoint, you have to deal with a greater IT infrastructure. You don't get to call the shots as much as you'd like to from the integration side. You have to deal with the IT elements of it. And because of that, you're going to be dealing with companies that are larger than you and companies that say, we don't need you, but we're happy to work with you. Um, this is a situation where it only helps Savant at that point. Um, it works for Netgear. I mean, it's a win-win. Uh, because it does provide an inroad for them. In terms of significant market share that Netgear gains from it, eh, I don't know necessarily if they get a ton from it. However, it just does allow them to shine light on the partnership aspect of what they do. Uh, and, and so there, there, there's a pit, and we're going to see more of it. And I, and I yeah, absolutely. You know, our, our, our AV company is going to start, uh, you know, uh, acquiring uh, larger technology companies. No. Uh, you know, so, so you are going to have to play nice with, with the other companies in the sandbox at that point. And, and I applaud Savant for it. You know, they found a way to reach out. They basically said, this is what our dealers need. So on a manufacturing level, rather than having our dealers one by one have to deal with a switch manufacturer, we're going we're gonna to flatten that for you. We're, we're going to go ahead and we're going to streamline that for you. We're going to provide, hopefully, as close to a turnkey um, solutions we can, uh, you know, and it's no different than, um, you know, a video of an IP company. One of the first ones that I remember doing, it was just had power. You know, that was, that was their kind of the whole thing, which is they said, look, we're going to invest the time to figure out how we can configure these things so we can send you a file, load it into a switch. And we, with pretty great certainty, are going to know that this thing works. I think we'll see more of it. I, I, at least I hope so, uh, because it's, you know, very difficult for a lot of integrators to keep an, an IT specialist on staff. So you have to rely on your manufacturer um, to be able to, to uh, bridge that gap. Very good. Ken, uh, you're going to be the kind of the perfect person to wrap this up. 
your company manufactures a ton of product that sit on the network that run across the network that, you know, transport I, uh, video over IP. What is the, what is the approach in trying to find that solution? Is it, is it based on the partnerships that you're able to make or is it based on the product that that manufacturer has or how do you go about trying to ensure that you know that when your product ships out the door to someone like Todd or somebody like Rich, that they can put it on specific hardware and know that it's going to function the way that you as Lona want it to function? Yeah, good question. So it comes down to making sure you're meeting your customer's needs, understanding what that customer needs or what your customer's customer, the end user needs out of that application. And it's, um, it's a, it's a bigger, uh, it's, it's a bigger movement maybe, uh, than um, just one product or, or one set of product. It's more of what do you want, whether you want to call it convergence or unified communication or collaboration. It's a word that, that envelops a lot more than just our product or two products coming together. Um, because you we're now getting to the point where AV systems just don't stand alone. They're talking to IP systems. They're talking to software. And in order for that to happen, there's got to be a, um, a partnership with the infrastructure. That infrastructure is the cabling, that infrastructure is the network switches, the routers, it's the ISPs. Uh, so as a manufacturer, when you're looking at who do you partner with or how do you choose that partnership, you've got to find one that allows you to uh, complete as many pieces as the pie as possible, that matches up with how you do business and allows you to fulfill <laughs> those needs that your customers are requesting for their application. So it's really being able to provide a solution, not just, not just uh, match products up, but com a complete end-to-end -end solution that uh, handles each of those AV requirements. And that includes USB too. You mentioned audio and video over IP. It's USB. It's the ability to communicate to those devices, uh, USB and Wi-Fi back onto the network and talk across the common infrastructure as well. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it there uh, and try and keep this under time today. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us today. Uh, Ken, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Athlona products and uh, visit your stand at ISC. Sorry to throw you on the spot for that one. No. Um, where can uh, people do that? So, uh, yes, please visit us at ISC. We're at Hall 5. Uh, with all the other uh, resi groups right there. We're going to have an amazing display set up this year. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be our single biggest stand ever. Uh, you can always see us on atlona.com. Uh, we have a nice ISE landing page right on there, so you can check us out online there. And you can always reach me at uh, ken.eagle at atlona.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Todd, if people want to connect with you, learn more about the Source Home Theater, where can they do that? You could always check out the website at thesourcehometheater.com and give us some feedback on how to make it better. Uh, I always like integrators giving me some feedback on the website. Um, another thing is you can reach me out is at todd at thesourcehometheater.com. Excellent. Thank you so much uh, again. Uncle Richie, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Fergosa Design, where can they do that? Uh, you can uh, go to our website, fergosadesign.com. Uh, probably the better ways, uh, you can find me on the interwebs, uh, places like Twitter, at rfergosa. 
type in my name into the Googles. But probably the best place that I would love for you to find me is here on avianation.tv, obviously on ResiWeek or our other suite of shows, uh, AB Week, where I'm sometimes on, or the one that's near and dear to my heart with my partner, Steve Greenblatt, um, A State of Control. Um, that would be the best place, and uh, more than anything else, if you come and, and give our sponsors a big thumbs up. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avianation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 